What's up guys and welcome back to Theology Unscripted. It's David here with Dr. Jones. Today we will be finishing up Romans 6 and hopefully entering Romans 7. We will be talking about righteousness and what it means to follow under the righteousness of God. This is Theology Unscripted. Last time we finished up the 14th verse of chapter 6 saying that sin will have no dominion over you since you're not under the law but under grace. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, keeping that in context, he says, so what then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? And once again, he says, by no means. This is taking the same question in verse 1 uh, about continuing to sin but coming at it from a different angle. In verse 1, saying, well, now that we're under grace and we have grace, should we just keep sinning so we get more grace? And the answer was no then. Now he's asking uh, should we continue to sin because sin's power has been broken and has and there's less consequences because we're under grace? We don't have to deal with that. Should we continue to sin because of that? And again, like nope. we said, the answer is no again. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're at today. That's what we're going to be talking about. Yep. So kind of the same thing. Well, not same thing, but similar thing to last time, just kind of a different point of view, I suppose. Yep, that's right. Yeah, like we said, uh, Paul likes to re- repeat himself a lot. Repetition's good. It drives his point home. So he's just making this, uh, this point here. Yeah, we definitely are not to continue in sin. And here's another reason. Yes, we are not under the law and we're under grace. That is true, but that does not give us a license to sin. Just because the power of sin is broken doesn't mean we should continue in it. And he presents it this way. This is how he says it. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either to sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. Now, I want to make sure we understand what this word slaves means in the Bible, because it has a bad connotation in our culture. Uh, thinking about the, um, the slave trade in North America, 17th, uh, 19th centuries or so. Uh, and the slavery in the New Testament is not the same as that. So I want to make sure we make that distinction. Uh, this Roman institution of being a bondservant, often uh, translated slave, is the Greek word doulos or doulos. And uh, this is, again, it's different from what we would consider this word to mean. Uh, generally, uh, these bond servants were permitted to work for pay, and they could work long enough to save up enough money to buy their freedom. And they were often entrusted uh, with large sums of money, with being money managers. They were often uh, entrusted yeah, with the house and the management of the house. Mm-hmm. So these are pretty not, yeah, not people who are taken against their will, often who people were in debt and sold themselves as bond servants. And... Uh, had time to pay off their debts. Yeah. So I'm not sure about you, but what I kind of get out of this is like, we're a product of our environment. So if we're surrounding ourselves in sin and like following under the temptations of sin, that's going to lead us to death. Whereas like if we follow in obedience, it's going to lead us into righteousness. So it's all like we have the choice to decide which environment we want to be in. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yes. Uh, And this has practical and uh, spiritual uh, connotate here. I think that both of those are important, like exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, if you are surrounding yourself with sin, it's going to lead you to death. If you are obedient to Christ, that's going to lead to righteousness. Yeah, that's exactly right. Sweet. Uh, he goes on, he says, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations, and I appreciate that he says that. He's saying, hey, you know what, this is kind of beyond what we can understand, so I'm just giving it to you in human terms. I'm giving it to us as a metaphor in a way we can understand. Yeah. That's kind of what he's saying. It's kind here. of breaking it down to our intellectual levels. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, Paul's kind of saying, hey, you're not as smart as me, so I'm going to break it down. I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I Yeah, I, I kind of. I'm just kidding. You but, have to do the same thing for us in Bible class yeah, sometimes. Yeah. So, sometimes, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I try try not to act like that. But Paul, you know, he, he knew he was smart. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but And he is. It's true. Uh, and he goes, just as you once presented your members, yourself, just as, uh, as slaves to impurity, to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, now present your, your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. Now, this word sanctification has meant a lot of things. Uh, I and a lot of people have different views of what what that means, but it's different from justification. Justification is that moment, like we talked about. Uh, I don't know if it was last time or a couple episodes ago. Justification is that moment when we say, "I'm turning from sin and I'm turning to God. I'm going to trust in Him as my Savior." Sanctification is something that many believe is what happens throughout our whole lives after we've been justified by faith. We're sanctified to become more like him. As we grow in our faith, as we uh, turn from sin, we learn to uh, resist temptation, we learn to obey God more fully, as we learn more about him, we are sanctified is what this means. It doesn't make us more saved or less saved, but again, it's a product of our justification that we are being sanctified. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. So yeah. he's just kind of reiterating the fact, like, we used to be bad, now we're good, so now we have to live a good lifestyle. Right, exactly. It's just what we were talking about last time. We were dead in sin, and now we're alive, and because of that, we should be, we should live in this sanctification as slaves to righteousness. Yeah. That's what he's getting at here. And yeah. he's going to, again, he repeats himself. Man, he's just always repeating himself. <laughs> but it is, like you said last time, it's very helpful. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. So he's saying you were slaves of sin and you, you were free. Like you just did whatever you want and you weren't under righteousness is what he's saying. Yeah. But what fruit were you getting in that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves to God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free mm. gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I've heard that verse before. Yeah, a lot of people use uh, verse 623 as part of what's called the Romans Road for evangelism. Mm -hmm. And it's, a, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great summary of chapter 6 right here, uh, where he's just saying, yeah, you know what, the wages, a thing that you earn. Again, this is what you were talking about just a few minutes ago. The wages of sin, what you earn from sin is death. That's what we earn. That's what we deserve. But yeah. instead, we receive mercy in the free gift of God, where we are set free from that death, and then we're given grace of something we don't deserve and given eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So as he uh, wraps up chapter 6 here, which again, he didn't know he was wrapping up chapter 6. He's just writing a letter, but we put chapter 6 on it uh, later. Uh, he, again, just says what you were talking about, uh, the end of the things that we used to be a part of. When you, the fruit of what you got when you were dead in sin... Are, are you not now ashamed of that? And I, I can, I understand that, you know, yeah. looking back on things when I uh, was running from God, uh, just say, man, I, I can't believe I acted like that. That's exactly what he's talking about. Here. Yeah. And the end of those is death. Yeah. Yeah. That, that leads to death. But now we're set free from that. And that's the good news. And it leads to sanctification. Now, before we move on, would you say he's speaking of like a spiritual death, like an eternal death? I, I think there is both happening yeah. here. I think, uh, Obviously, if we lead a life of sin and we refuse to repent and turn from our sin and turn towards Christ and trust His uh, trust in His grace, then we do die a spiritual death. Yeah. Uh, but I think it is also, I think he does very clearly talk about uh, the fruit of the things that we got when we were slaves to sin uh, were, we were ashamed of. I think there is a physical aspect to this where uh, 
the things lead to uh, more sorrow, more disappointment, more sadness when we don't follow the way God has for us. Because, you know, again, just to reiterate what we said last time, the way of living that God has is the best way of living. Right. Now, it may involve giving up uh, sins that may bring us instant gratification, but ultimately it is the best way to live, I believe, is the way that he's called us to. Yep, yep. So yeah, I think that we have both here, and uh, you know, this doesn't this doesn't really get into the fact that through Adam's sin, we we've talked about this a little bit already, but this section doesn't really talk about how oh, through Adam's sin all die physically. You know, our bodies are uh, you know wearing out. We are you know, getting older, aging, dying. That's just a uh, natural state after the fall. That's just the state that we're in yeah. because of the because of sin in general. But uh, we through Christ, have overcome that. And that's what the point is here. All right. Well, did you want to move on to Romans 7? I do. I think 7, I think it just ties right in. You know, remember that uh, the chapters and verse numbers were added later. So right. uh, It's all the same letter. Yeah, exactly. So Paul didn't have a break here. So I think it connects. So I want to keep going and we'll see how far we get. Yeah. Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law. So he's talking about brothers being the Jewish people. Mm -hmm. So I'm talking to you Jews really quick. You uh, Hebrews who know the Torah, I'm talking to you. Uh, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she's released from the law. Hmm. Accordingly, she will be an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she's free from that law. And if she marries another man, she's not an adulteress. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions, aroused by the law, were at work to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not the old way of the written code. I thought it was important to read all of that as one. Uh, what do you think? First thoughts before we get into it. Um, I, th I like how he's making another comparison with like the wife and her husband dying. And you can yep. see, obviously, she's not married anymore. So like we are no longer married to our sins once we have our new life in Christ. So yep. we just don't need to be caught up in that. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. Yeah, we don't need to, uh, you know, this law, these sins, all of this, you know, th we have died to that. And he's, again, he's making a metaphor here where he's talking about, hey, you know, she, a woman is bound by law to her husband. Uh, as long as he's alive, but you know, if he dies, you know, what what are we going to say? We're well, still married to that guy, right? We're yeah. not going to say that, right? No, it, she's free from that. Uh, she's uh, not under that law anymore. So, in the same way that that is true, when we have died to sin, the law has died to us as well, and we now are under a new covenant, a new law, a new way of living is the way he puts this here. We are now. He says, "What does he say?" Let me read it again. Uh, you've died to the law through the body of Christ that you may belong to another, to him who's been raised from the dead, in order we might bear fruit. So he says, again, you may belong to another law, another uh, state of living is the way he might put this. Yeah. So again, you know, and he's going to reiterate where we were living in the flesh. Uh, we wanted things that were of the flesh, but now we're released from that law. And we've died to that that held us captive so we can serve in the new way of the spirit. Again, this is this new way, this new way of living and not in the old way of the written code. So he's saying now rather than uh, living in under this old law we have a spirit by which we live and it's the spirit of christ and we live in that way now yep yep and then i like in verse three where he says like accordingly she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive because like we can't live in both sin and righteousness mm. at the same time we kind of have to pick which way we want to go with our life that's so like, good obviously we're going to sin but we have to try our best to stay out of it you know 
Yeah, without a doubt. Yes. And I, I think, you know, I always make sure to reiterate, it's not, you know, the mark of following Christ is not that we don't sin. It's that, you know, and I tell people, you know, people will ask me like, well, am I, you know, am I even a Christian if I have the sin? I was like, well, do you feel conviction? Yeah. Okay. That's the Holy Spirit. You know, yeah. that you, ha you have the Holy Spirit who has sealed you in salvation as long as you have conviction. If you stop caring, you should probably worry. Right. <laughs> it's what, you know, then you should think about really. And, you know, I can't, and I always tell people, I can't be the judge of whether you're saved or not. I can tell you what marks, what the Bible tells us marks one who is following Christ. And I can tell you what that looks like, but that's between, you know, that's between you and God at the end of the day. So if you are uh, a slave to sin and you have, uh, you don't care, you know, I would say, uh, I would consider, is my salvation true and real or not? And, you know, the good news is it's not too late. You can always turn around. Yep, yep. That invitation is always there. That's not bad news if you don't think you're saved. You can get saved right now. <laughs> I mean, you can repent and say, you know what? I don't think I ever meant that, <coughs> but I mean it today. So... Uh, that, you know, the bad news always leads to good news. You know, the bad news is I'm lost in my sin, but Jesus is here to save me. And I think that is the point. I think what you were saying here about uh, verse three uh, also applies in some ways to people who try to clean up their own lives, mm -hmm. who try to live under the law, even though they're under grace, because I think that is uh, part of this as well, because they say, yeah, all right, I believe in grace, and, but, you know, I better make sure that I do enough for God to love me. There are some uh, cults who I won't name today who <laughs> say that it is uh, what Jesus did for me and as much as I can do for myself, something like that. I'm saying it wrong, but I'm glad I don't really know it. Anyway, um, but they're going to, yeah, yeah, Jesus died for us, but I've still got to work. I've still got to work to earn that. And that's yeah. just not what the Bible says. What the Bible says, that's, that's living under the law is when we say, I'm going to continue to keep trying, to keep trying to do my best, even though we're under grace. So I think it means, you know, if we look at it from both of those ways, we have to consider what that means. Right. And then um, one thing you were mentioning is, like, God gives us so many chances and opportunities to be yep. able to, like, get saved through him, which is cool. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, I think that that's, you know, is anyone too far gone? I think Paul would say, of course, no one's too far gone, because if anyone's too far gone, then I would never have gotten saved. Right. Because he's like, like I was running example. around killing Christians. Yeah. He's like, if it's if anyone's too far gone, then I shouldn't even be here. Right. Is what you know. He would say that. He says something like that in other places. So, and now look at him preaching the gospel. Look at this, writing one of the greatest theological works ever written, in my opinion, <laughs> that we're reading, which is why we're reading it. Uh, let's see. I think let me let me read start reading into the next section and see what we can get to. So he's going to continue. You know, he says, "What shall we say?" Based on again, what shall we say? Since I've said all of this, is the law sin? And he says, "By no means." So again, now he's making sure. The Jewish readers know, hey, this law wasn't sin, right? But, he says, if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin, for I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment I promised, that promised life proved to be death, to me, for sin, seizing opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through it killed me. So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. All right, this is a very interesting section here. Uh, he's making sure that we know the law is not bad. The law is good and righteous. Yeah. The problem is, once we have the law, we see, oh, it's us that's the problem. Mm -hmm. That's his point here. He's like, I would never have known that it was a sin to want what somebody else has until the law said, don't want what somebody else has. Right. And once I heard that, well, I, it just produced in me all this want, all this greed. That's what he's saying here. And his point is, yeah, the law is righteous and good, 
and it's it's me that through the law understands that I'm that I'm a sinner, that I'm sinful, and I and sin seizes this opportunity. Mm-hmm. So the law was just kind of put in place to give us a an idea of what is right and what is wrong. But as humans, we have that sin nature, so we're going to ruin it anyway. Yeah, basically, that's his point here. Uh, he's, you know, the the laws are here to say, and he's he makes the point here. The law, all it did was show me my guilt. Right. That's the purpose of it. The law was good, and all it could do is show me that I'm guilty. And he goes on, verse 13, he says, Did that which is good then bring death to me? Was it law that brought death? He says again, by no means. That's a pretty popular saying. <laughs> it was sin producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know the law is spiritual, but I am the flesh sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. I referenced this verse uh, last time, I think. For I do not do what I want, but the very thing, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I want, I agree with the law, and that is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin who dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. So he's talking about, in this part, he's saying, yeah, I know what's right, but my, my sinful nature doesn't want to do it. My sinful nature rebels against the part of me that wants to do right. And he says, I simply can't do it. I do not have the ability to carry it out. I have the desire to do what's right, but I just can't. And he says, for I do not know, I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. And so he makes this distinction in verse 20, where he says, okay, well, now this thing that doesn't want to do it, that's the sin that dwells in me. Mm -hmm. It's not I. And, and he makes this point. And I think this is what I was, uh, I think this can relate to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, where he says, now, if I do what I do not want, if you don't want to sin, that's a sign that you have the Holy Spirit's conviction. Right. Right. And I think that's his point here. So if you don't want to sin, it's not you who does it anymore. It's that sin nature, that sin that dwells within you. So I think that's very important here to, to note that we uh, see that Paul is saying we sin in our nature, but at the end of the day, if we have the Holy Spirit convicting us and we don't want to do these things, that's a sign that it's not us, but the sin in us. Yeah. So he wraps up here, verse 21. So I find it to be a law that when I want to be right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. I love that verse, verse 25. Uh, who will save me? Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So he says, yeah, he says, I serve the law of God with my mind. The flesh serves the law of sin, but thanks be to God that he rescues me from that body of death. Mm -hmm. So just kind of summarizing up is, um, we're, our, as humans, we're living in sin, but God, he gives us the opportunity to follow him and gives us multiple chances just to be able to try to do our best. And as long as we know what we're doing is wrong, like that's where we're yep. good. Yeah, yeah, I think so. As long as we have that conviction, you know, and that, that is a sign that the Holy Spirit has sealed us for salvation, that we have conviction from the Holy Spirit. We know when we're doing things that are not right, we know that God is calling us back to him, and he knows that he always will call us back to him. So uh, as, as long as you, uh, anyone out there listening 
as long as you have that conviction, you can trust that Jesus has you and Jesus has secured you. If you don't have that conviction, if you're going on doing things and you uh, don't care, well, again, it's not too late for you. Pray today, ask him to save you and rescue you and redeem you, and he will. He listens and to those who call in his name. All righty. Well, I think that pretty much wraps this episode up. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you on the next one.